Hello, and welcome to the AK-47 podcast. My name is Kristen Gonsi, and I am recording this podcast from Belgrade in Serbia, where I have been for just about 10 days. After I left Paris, I spent a week in Berlin seeing colleagues and giving a talk at the Einstein Forum in Potsdam. And I came to Serbia to do some research here. And I have also been really busy, as I always am, with other things. I've been working on the copy edits for a book that's coming, and I've just written a book review for an amazing book that I read that I really enjoyed uh, called Free, Coming of Age at the End of History. But today I am going to start reading an abridged version of a very important essay that Alexandra Kollontai wrote in 1918. And the essay is called New Woman or The New Woman. And what I really like about this essay, and I have to kind of give you a bit of an introduction to the essay before I read it and tell you why I, I think it's important and also why I'm going to be abridging it as much as I am. So this is an interesting essay in the sense that it's kind of a literary criticism. It's, it's in the realm of Kollontai's more academic, sort of more literary work. Uh, this is a, a piece that she didn't necessarily write for working women in Russia at the time, but she or the Soviet Union because it was 1918. This was more of a kind of an erudite es essay that she wrote, which was really thinking about the role of female characters in literature and how characters were changing given the changes that were going on in society during that period of time and how this was being reflected in the literature of that time. And she refers in this essay to a lot of books that most people today reading this essay would not be familiar with. So the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to read, I, I've gone through and tried to abridge this essay to make it somewhat shorter. It, it's already an excerpt from a text that she wrote called The New Morality in the Working Class. So it's already been somewhat extracted, but I'm abridging it even further to try to get at kind of the core of what Kalantai is arguing here and, you know, cut out some of the references and the kind of more detailed analysis that she engages in with these books and, and short stories and and plays and things that people at the time in 1918 would have been familiar with, but now in 2021, we probably don't know unless you're, you're out there studying Russian literature or something like that. In which case, if you are, you should go and, and really read the entirety of this essay, which is available on the Marxist.org website. So the key thing that I think is really interesting about this essay, this this long sort of reflection on the new woman, is that Kolontai is really having this, you know, age-old sort of discussion about whether art reflects reality or reality reflects art and, and how the, you know, feedback loop between the representations of reality and the actual reality sort of flow. And she's basically making you know, a pretty interesting case that 
the emergence of women who are economically independent of, of men uh, who are actually forging their own lives. They're coming to the cities, they're working in factories, they're able to pay their own bills and sort of uh, get involved in politics or choose, you know, their partners on the basis of love and mutual affection and not on the basis of just having to get married because that's the only role available to them. That somehow this is also being reflected in the way that female characters are being crafted in literature at the time. And that as women have access to these new literary texts where there are independent women who have more control over their lives, that is also in some ways inspiring women who are literate, obviously, and who can read these novels and stories to think about different opportunities that they might have to craft autonomous, independent lives for themselves, where rather than always being in a sort of subsidiary position to men or their father, you know, their fathers, their husbands, or their children, that they actually really have some kind of agency in their own lives. I think, you know, this is a, it's a really interesting essay. It, it allows us to really think about what was going on in 1918, sort of in the broader society that you suddenly, you know, in the, in the decades preceding Kollontai's writing of this essay, you suddenly have the emergence of these strong, independent female characters. I think this is a really important piece. And especially for those of you who are sort of interested in, in literature or in film or in poetry or in the ways in which, you know, we, we represent the reality of material reality of our lives through art. This essay sort of helps us think a little bit about the ways that Kolontai was kind of imagining the quote unquote new woman in 1918. So let's start with part one. What is the new woman? Does she really exist? Is she not the product of the creative fancy of modern writers of fiction in search of sensational novelties? Look around you, look sharply, reflect, and you will convince yourself the new woman is certainly there. She exists. You already know her. You are already accustomed to meeting her in life and indeed on all rungs of the social ladder, from the woman worker up to the young women adepts of the sciences, from the modest woman clerk to the famous representative of the liberal arts. What is most amazing about all this is that although you meet the new woman in life with ever-increasing frequency, it is only in most recent years that you have had the opportunity to find her facial features more frequently again in the heroines of literary works. Life in the last decades under the heavy hammer blows of vital necessity has forged a woman with new psychological sense new needs, and a new temper. But literature still portrayed the women of the past, still created the decrepit, self-sublimating former type. What shining images of the nascent new woman was offered by the reality of Russian life in the 70s and 80s? These are the 1870s and 1880s. But the poets and novelists passed them by. They neither perceived nor heard them, nor did they comprehend them or distinguish among them. 
Turgenev almost brought them to life with his delicate brush, but even in his novels, the images are dimmer, poorer than reality. Only in his poetry, in poems and prose that are dedicated to the Russian girl, did Turgenev bare his head reverently before the deeply affecting images of those who had dared to cross the hallowed threshold. A long train of nameless ones follows the women militants, namely those who are listed in the annals of history. They were destroyed like bees in the destroyed beehive. The rocky path to the holy longed for and awaited future is strewn with their corpses. Their numbers grew, increased year to year. But the novelists and the poets passed them by, thickly blindfolded. The poet's eye, as though it were absolutely oriented upon the traditional view of woman, was not able to grasp this novum, to appropriate it, to stamp it upon his memory. Literature, in perfecting itself, developed by seeking utterly new paths, new colors and worlds, stubbornly continued to produce the betrayed, abandoned, suffering creatures, revengeful wives, bewitching predators, willless, misunderstood natures, pure, colorless, charming girls. Flaubert wrote Madame Bovary at a time when George Sand, so shining a herald of the new woman awakening to life, lived near him in flesh and blood, suffering and asserting her human and feminine ego alike. Tolstoy immersed himself in the feminine psyche, enslaved through the centuries by fate of Anna Karenina. He admired a charming, harmless kitty, toyed with the temperamental, wifey nature of a Natasha Rostov at a time when a pitiless reality tied the hands of an ever-growing, steadily increasing number of female human beings. Even the greatest talents of the 19th century did not feel the necessity to replace the glamour of the womanliness of their heroines by characteristics pointing to the new woman. It is only in the last 10 to 15 years that this type, newly awakened to life, has not gone unnoticed. And of course, only by the most modern writers, and especially by women novelists, as a result of which they had no choice but to assert their claim to recognition in their most recent works. Now, this type no longer presents a sensational novelty. You will meet it not only in a pioneering novel that tries to solve one of the pressing, complicated problems of our times as an exemplary case, but you run across it in the modest, unpretentious narrative. It goes without saying the type of the new woman varies from country to country, that membership in this or that social stratum gives it a particular stamp, the psychological expression of the heroine, her strivings, her life goals, can exhibit a significant divergence from each other. But no matter how different these new heroines may be, we perceive in them something that is common to all of them something species-like, so to speak, which immediately enables us to distinguish them from the women of the past. The latter viewed the world differently, expressed themselves differently towards life. It requires no special historical or literary knowledge 
to discern the countenance of the new woman from the mass of women of the past. We cannot always give an account of what this novum consists of or pinpoint wherein the difference actually lies. One thing, however, is clear. Somewhere in the realm of the subconscious, a criterion has been formed in us with the aid of which we can classify and determine the feminine types. So I want to pause here and I just want to say that Colinta here is just kind of rehearsing for her reader the fact that all of these great 19th century novelists like Turgenev and Tolstoy have written really complex characters of women. Anna Karenina, for instance, is a pretty complex character, but they have largely remained within the realm of sort of tropes of femininity that are very common. You know, suffering wives, innocent little girls like Kitty. The, the idea that, that they don't, they're very much a kind of victim of their circumstances. I mean, in fact, in Anna Karenina, Tolstoy very much acknowledges this when he discusses, um, I believe, in the section four, uh, I think it's chapter 10 of, of Karenina, where Anna Karenina, where there's actually an explicit discussion about the role of the emancipation of women and discussion about the role of women in traditional Russian society at the time. Tolstoy is aware of that. And yet he reproduces a particular kind of character in his novels that doesn't really transcend the traditional role, the traditional characterization of women in literature. And here, Kolontai is, is basically saying, look, there is this new woman. We meet her on the street. Suddenly, she's appearing everywhere in the last 10 or 15 years, not only in sort of high literature, but also in very commonplace bits of, of, of creative writing. And so what what is this new woman? How can we actually kind of create a taxonomy or, or some kind of a uh, way of understanding her when we meet her in these novels. And, and that's what she wants to do in, in this, um, in this essay is to give lots of really concrete examples of not only the old characterization of women, which she does at great length, but then also to give some examples of the new characterization of women. All right. I'm going to read a little bit more from this and then, and then I'll stop. Okay, so who then are these new women? They are not the pure nice girls whose romance culminates in a highly successful marriage. They are not wives who suffer from the infidelities of their husbands or who themselves have committed adultery. Nor are they old maids who bemoan the happy love of their youth, just as little as they are the priestesses of love, the victims of wretched living conditions or of their own depraved natures. No, it is a wholly new fifth type of heroine, hitherto unknown, heroines with independent demands on life, heroines who assert their personality, heroines who protest against the universal servitude of women in the state, the family, society, who fight for their rights as representatives of their sex. Single women are the ones who more and more determine this type. The single woman, in the most recent past, the original type of woman was the spouse, the wife who was the shadow of her husband, a supplement and appendage. The single woman has ceased to play the subordinate role and to be no more than the reflex of the man. She has a singular inner world full of general human interests. 
She is independent inwardly and self-reliant outwardly. 20 years ago, a statement of this kind would have said nothing either to the mind or to the heart. The girl, the mother, the blue stocking, not viewed in her problematic aspects, the beloved or the salon lioness of the stripe of Elena Kurakina in Tolstoy's War and Peace, all of these personages exemplified an understandable traditional staple of fiction. But for the single woman, there was no place either in literature or life. If women emerged in history with features that recalled contemporary heroines, they were viewed as random deviations from the norm, as psychological phenomena. But life does not stand still. The wheel of history, which turns at an ever faster tempo, compels even persons of the one and same generation to form new concepts, to enrich their lexicon with new material. The single woman of which our grandmothers and even our mothers had no idea whatsoever exists. She is a real living phenomenon. All right, so I'm going to stop reading there. I will continue in the next episode. But basically, clearly what you see here is that Kolontai is trying to outline the contours of this character in literature of the single woman, of the woman who is not yet married and whose goal in life is not successful marriage. And again, writing in 1918, this is a pretty radical idea given the way that women have traditionally been represented in literature, but also the way in which women had traditionally lived in society up until that point. So the whole point of this article, once again, to reiterate, is this dialectical relationship between art and life between literature and reality. And I think, you know, even though this is a little bit more of an esoteric essay compared to some of the fictional works that we've read on this podcast or some of her more sort of popular political pamphlets, this is a much more sort of literary, a careful, considered study of, you know, various novels and and she's really kind of doing a, a literary analysis kind of a theoretical work here i think it's worth kind of spending some time with this essay because i think it's interesting and i also think you can see here how colin Tai's vision of the new woman as she's writing this in 1918 also then ultimately informs a lot of the policies that she tries to put into place as commissar of social welfare at the same time So that's all for me this time from Belgrade. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always, keep up the good fight. (laughs) 